and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 499. Woo! Happy anniversary! <laughs> so close. It's the big one. Uh it sucks that this this couldn't like this this couldn't be like the Dark Crisis wrap-up. That would have been really succinct. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> After this issue, you can make a point. It's like they must have followed Grant Morrison's blueprint about how let let's let's completely change things with one issue left because we don't really let's not put the cart before the horse for this thrilling issue. Good art, though. Why, Mark, are you talking about I am Batman number 15? <laughs> no, because I don't <laughs> like the art on that. <laughs> uh, but we, there are some there are some similarities. But I was referring to our main topic of the night, Dark Crisis number six. Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number six. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to buy you a T-shirt that says the title of this series on it. Just so you can wear it and be mad. <laughs> Mark, why, why I don't, don't hate the things? title. Where are those stains on your shirt? Oh, it's your tears? Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Countdown to Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth. <laughs> All right. So what, what, what happened with I Am Batman? I Am Batman number 15, written by John Ridley, art by Carl Mostert, colors by Romulo Ferrardo, and letters by Troy Petri. Petri. Uh, Deathstroke put a hit out on every legacy hero he could think of, and Sinestro went to New York to kill Jace Fox Batman. Sinestro is exploiting Jace's greatest fears and messing with with his perception of reality in hopes of making Jace spiral down into a nightmare of despair that leaves him taking his own life. Instead, Jace derives strength from his fears and defeats Sinestro before heading out to the Hall of Justice to help the rest of the heroes fight the Dark Army. Thanks for coming, Dan. <laughs> yeah. So that's lanterncast at gmail.com. <laughs> You can call or text us at 708 Lantern and uh, yeah. Lauren, write in and let us know what you thought about this, <laughs> this <right>. issue. <laughs> so, some, somehow this issue is more annoying because it's not even the real Batman who was able to be, <laughs> be able to outthink Sinestro, even though we know the, the, the out is it's Sinestro is, is somewhat being controlled and not functioning on his, his 100% normal independent level, but still. It's... Well, the thing with Sinestro is really messy because, like, the main Dark Crisis miniseries has mentioned here and here there how, like, the Great Darkness can impact the powers of the people that it, that it, like, touches, but that's usually in terms of, like, a boost or something. And this issue just kind of gives Sinestro different powers, even though 
the kinds of things he's doing would have been a really cool and creative way to apply his normal power set. Yeah. So I don't know what, like, I, I maybe this is just like a, a signals got crossed between writers and editors kind of thing. But yeah, it was, it was disappointing. You know, speaking of disappointing, obviously I'm just, I'm just kind of a little surprised at the quality of writing in this. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. It was, it was okay. It was a little better than a, I thought maybe a crossover issue would, would be typically speaking, uh, at least in places, but I actually expected a little bit better of John Ridley because didn't he do the um, other history of the DC universe? Yeah. I was very impressed by the writing in that series. Yeah. Uh, and, and given how wordy <laughs> that to that series was, uh, it really gave Ridley a, a chance to shine in that regard. And comparing the two works, I mean, I, I get that the, the intense and the ability to say, um, something wholly unique as opposed to just telling a story in an ongoing Batman series or slightly different. I, I don't know. I was expecting a different caliber of writing here that I didn't get. Well, also I think it might just be like, maybe this issue was rushed because I like, I have read one other issue of this book from like, I don't know, June or July or something. And it was legitimately impressive. Like that one random issue I picked up told me like so much about like this world and this life, this character lives. Like it gave me something that I haven't read that I haven't gotten from a Batman book in a long time. So I saw that like, Oh, Oh, there's a tie in with Sinestro. Like, cool. But then reading it, none of those qualities were there that I had seen previously. And Part of me has to think like, okay, well, maybe it's the fact that he's he's being made to tie into this storyline that he's not otherwise a part of, and he's got to use at least one character that he may not be uh be a uh, comfortable writing yet. I don't know, like the whole thing, like it felt like kind of too fast, you know? Yeah. And we didn't I even know. know this was a Dark Crisis crossover issue until it basically hit, right? Like from solicits and everything? Yeah. Yeah, the solicits were just kind of like, hey, Sinestro's in Gotham. And I suppose yeah. you can make the connection. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I for, like, I, granted, I've only read one other issue of this book because I just wanted to try it without following it monthly. But I've, I've now read two issues of this series by this writer. One of them was spectacular and the other one was bad. So. I don't know. I'm inclined to think that this one was probably the outlier because he has written other great things. Yeah. And I see what Mark's saying about the art. I don't, I don't, I didn't hate the art in this, but there were a couple of moments like drawing Sinestro to look like a demonic elf uh, looks a little strange. And the parallax symbol is horrible. Yeah. Like it almost small. It's just like a, it's like, well, we, let's just give it, make it a circle. And then we'll, we'll, we'll do something to it right at the very end. It's like, that's really, that looks, it's almost like they got it, started getting it confused with the orange symbol for, and then they had to fix it. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about it other than it was, I guess they kind of redeemed it a little bit because like Sinestro was trying to do his own thing, which also makes 
makes no sense and also makes some sense because of the way the story's been told. It's been it's been very nebulous whether or not the people that are under the darkness's thrall have independent thought capability uh, or independent will. Um, it's it seems like Deathstroke does, but maybe some of the others don't. And to what capacity and all that. Um, so like to have Jace defeat Sinestro, uh, he takes his ring from him, which has nothing to do with Pariah other than the fact that his powers are being augmented. So I don't know about how I agree about that, but like they tr- they almost make it make sense in a way that like sinestro had his plan and you get the feeling that if sinestro was able to do what he wanted to do maybe things would have turned out differently but because pariah forced him to do things his way maybe that's the fatal flaw in all of this but again like i said jace takes sinestro's ring so you know six of one half a dozen of the other I, i i don't i don't know i don't know how i feel about it i don't think he took his ring you know he takes the construct yeah, he was holding like a little twinkle of fear. Oh, okay. Hmm. Maybe I just interpreted that wrong. Well, it's kind of easy to because it is kind of it. It's it's kind of sloppy in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. They also show Sinestro's left hand a lot, and he doesn't have a ring on. But I think that's just a mistake. Yeah. I thought it was also interesting that we focused so much on Jace in this, uh, given what we are going to see in issue six of Dark Crisis. Um, you would you would think that maybe we we should be getting more issues of like this uh, in terms of legacy heroes just showing up, but I don't. I don't. It's just, it's just, it's a weird entry into Dark Crisis, to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny how direct of a tie-in it is to the next issue, because it's literally he goes through a thing, has a change of heart. Guts gets on a motorcycle, rides over to Dark Crisis, where he gets off the motorcycle and joins the fight. Like, it, it's usually more convoluted than that, and I kind of like the direct beeline. <laughs> That's true. I also just don't know why we need this, though. Like, how many times have we seen someone, like, turn down joining the thing and then join end up joining the fight later on because they had a change of heart, and that's really all we needed? Yeah, like what Jace ends up saying in the issue when we'll get to it uh, in Dark Crisis number six, that could have made sense entirely on its own without this issue. Well, it's especially weird considering how few tie-ins there are to Dark Crisis in general. I mean, they've been adding. You mean an ongoing series? I I mean, in terms of anything, I mean, they've been adding some one one shots and stuff as they go, but. And there's Dark yeah. Crisis Young Justice. Yeah, but like if if this was any other crisis event, there would have been like there would have been like seven or eight tie-in miniseries, a whole bunch of one-shots. Every book under the sun would have tie-in issues. This is like this event is still very streamlined, and like I don't know how they pick and choose. Like it makes sense for Flash to devote a handful of its monthly issues to tie into this. Right. But I don't know, like other than, you know, Hey, we want to, we want to try and prop up some sales for the I am Batman book. So let's, uh, let's give it a dark crisis tie in for one issue. But that's, I don't know. That's really weird to do though. 15 issues in with John Ridley writing it. And Jace Fox, Batman of all things is the one is the bat family book. You want to prop up sales for, I don't know. It's just strange. 
I'm not saying Jace isn't worth it as a character, but like in terms of a if if indeed it's a marketing scheme of some kind, that's a weird pick, man. But uh, I guess on to issue six of Dark Crisis, huh? All right. So Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Number six, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Daniel Semper. Semper, I forget. Layouts by Daniel Semper and Rafa Sandoval. Colors by Alejandro Sanchez and letters by Troy Pedri. Uh, the battle outside the Hall of Justice rages on, with the heroes struggling to hold their own until backup arrives. Jace Fox Batman shows up, and he's got half a dozen more heroes with him. Uh, everyone's trying to reach Pariah because taking him out should sever the Dark Army's connection to the Great Darkness, depowering them and evening the odds. Mr. Terrific and Batman think they can turn Pariah's own technology against him, but they need time to get the machine up and running. So John Kent does the most Superman thing ever and takes on Darkseid, Doomsday, Neuron, Eclipso, and Necron by himself. Not because he thinks he can win, but because he knows he can buy his friends time. Yara Floor Wonder Girl takes advantage of Superman's distraction and gets her magic lasso around Pariah and confronts him with the knowledge that the voice he's been hearing all this time isn't the great darkness, it's his own mind trying to rationalize everything he's been through, and justify everything he's done to try and fix things. The plan works, and the machine seemingly kills Pariah, but maybe he's living his days in a happiness prison world of his own, as he fades away just like the Justice League did when this all started, and he sees his home as he disappears. But removing Pariah isn't going to make all of the dark energy simply vanish, so the dark army still needs to be dealt with. Fortunately, the Justice League have finally returned, and they brought the entire Green Lantern Corps with them. They were able to use Hal's connection to the other lanterns, plus Barry's connection to the vibrations of Earth Zero, to pull the League back into normal space, where they helped the Corps defeat the army of shadow demons left behind by Pariah before finally returning to Earth. The one exception seems to be Green Arrow, who was crushed to death by Doomsday before Pariah imprisoned the rest of the League. So Ollie may actually be dead now that they've all left the confines of the Happiness Prisons. All the different families of characters team up and begin to turn the tide of battle against the Dark Army, while Mr. Terrific checks in with Alan Scott in the JSA, who went out into weird multiverse space to try and stop the spread of the Great Darkness or something. Apparently, whatever Pariah set in motion is still happening, and the JSA is fighting off an army of shadow demons while trying to stop it. But that may be easier said than done, since removing Pariah from the equation shifted the balance of power over to his second-in-command, as a newly supercharged Deathstroke stands ready to complete all his contracts and kill all of the heroes. Yep. Well, the funny thing is, when I read it, I I did not necessarily put the two and two together. That that I thought they were waiting to give us a reveal about who that who the voice really was that was talking to Pariah. I'm sure you're right, Dan. I just didn't put the two and two together. I just. But it 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 kind of, it does make it does make sense on one level that it would just because of the lasso of truth that it would be, but whatever. But then again, yeah. So that was well. Well, I'm just going by the panel where uh, Black Adam and uh, Mr. Terrific run outside holding the prize machine, and Superman yells, "But that it isn't the Great Darkness. It's Prize's own insanity. His powers gone mad." And That's then, true. 
And then Yara puts the lasso around him and says, hey, it's just your brain. And he's like, oh, man, I guess so. And That's true. I'm, I probably just missed that part. And I'm, I'm like, so I guess the great darkness has been a like, because I, I am I am by no means I have no full timeline of the great darkness in my head or anything. But from what I gather, this means it's that we had the Alan Moore Swamp Thing story from forever ago where he negotiates a ceasefire between the light and the dark and the dark goes to sleep. And I guess it's still asleep. And Pariah has just been, he like jammed his machine into it and has been tapping in it to its power. And his own broken mind is hallucinating a partnership with a being that doesn't know he exists because it's asleep. Oy. How do we feel like uh, bad? I know, I know, it was, <laughs> I, I know it was, I know it was revealed in, um, the swamp thing th- uh, issue for the most part, but like, does anybody still buy the whole, there is no great darkness really here in all of this. It's just pariah's own insanity and power gone run amok, maybe slightly tapping into the darkness in some way, but really it's just pariah. Like it, it feels underwhelming. I mean, I, I think, I think what we're supposed to gather from like the page right after the title page of this issue is that after Pariah's multiverse was gone, he was like drifting in the infinite darkness. And like that was his exposure to the great darkness. But also being the only thing that exists kind of broke his mind. So he thinks the darkness has been speaking to him when it hasn't even been conscious, conscious. So he like he did. He has been using the great darkness. It has not been an active participant. The only reason it's involved at all is because he literally shoved technology into it to siphon some power. Yeah, I guess. But in his head, underwhelming. You're right, Chad. Yeah, but no, this it also it sucks. Like that. The reason that they give makes some kind of logical sense, but it's still not impressive or exciting or interesting yeah it's it's i felt very i definitely had the anticlimactic vibe in this issue the way it the way i mean i mentioned it to chad i before i actually got to read this i had read the spoilers for what was going on in this issue and even then it kind of sounded stupid and then when i actually read the issue it's like it didn't nothing on the page (laughs) it changed my mind of, of my initial just hearing about like what happened or the reveals. And it's like, I'm not a, I'm not a fan at all of these. I know we've talked, and I know we've talked about this before that there are two different ways to end storylines that you either have the last issue be the rat, the actual wrap up of everything, or you have the issue wrap up one issue before, then have basically the epilogue basically be the final, be the final issue or half the final issue is an epilogue and you just clean up loose ends. And this is not enti- clearly, this is not entirely doing, it's like splitting hairs between the two. Because it the, the threats are still out there that are going to be resolved in issue seven, but yet they completely the main bad guy we thought we were dealing with, or we were going to have to once we dealt with him, that was going to be the end of the conflict. That they kind of just cut us off at the knees and said, "Hey, 
Goodbye. Well, it's so even worse than that, because now the main bad guy we have to deal with is Deathstroke. And I hate Deathstroke. He, yeah, he's as as skilled a fighter as he is. It's it's hard to see him as a uni- as a universal or planetary threat the way you saw the way you saw Pariah. But it's also the fact that it's it just goes. It's kind of like that final crisis pattern of, of crisis telling is like, hey, we're going to throw in a, a big bad in the final issue that except this time, at least we had to, we had we had Deathstroke throughout the whole series. So it's not as jarring to kind of shift over to him as it was in Final Crisis, when you just get, you know, dark side of the way. And it's like, hey, guess what? But I don't know. It's it still comes back to the same. It, this whole thing seems it seems really pointless. It seems like I, I think that pretty much it just seems like it's we know it's going to have some effect on we on something, but it's hard to care the way we talked about how they killed the Justice League. And that was pretty anticlimactic, too. This whole thing seems seems anticlimactic. So they literally. They literally have the big bad. He doesn't even come to square off with everybody until the end of issue five. And they pretty much take take they deal with him. Rel, you know, they deal with him in a relatively timely fashion in issue six. And then it's like, oh, and plus, that's not even talking about the stupid uh, John Superman thing taking on all Superman's villains. I know. And we know they're mind controlled and they're not. He's really not fighting. You know what it would be like fighting Doomsday on his own. But come on, give me a break. Well, I mean, if, if we're going to start talking about like things that don't make sense from a pure power scale point of view, then we have to revisit the whole fact that the Justice League disappearing should not impact the safety of the world one tiny bit. Because like, OK, yes, yeah, Superman is gone, but we still have we still have Connor Kent, Superboy. We have John Kent. We have Power Girl. We have Supergirl, who is canonically more powerful than Clark. Like, it, it literally makes no sense for the absence of the Justice League to throw everything into turmoil. The only way it could possibly make sense is, and maybe I've gone on this rant before, I don't remember at this point, but the only way it could make sense is from a an emotional and psychological standpoint of, like, People are incredibly demoralized by the knowledge that Superman and Wonder Woman and the rest are gone. And that kind of impact matters more than than any kind of power deficit that they leave in their wake. And part of me thinks like this book wants to be about that. Like it's it's covered with examples of how it looks like it wants to be a story about the importance and impact of legacy but it's not doing enough to actually tell that kind of story i i guess it's it also just some of this it's it's not just like the grand overarching stuff some of the actual writing bothers me a little bit like when superman shows up and, and stops doomsday that very next panel of john saying whatever it is he's saying i'm sorry my tablet's messing up in front of me here but uh, uh, i've heard stories about you since i was a kid yeah it that flow there is it's almost like it's it's like john is on the verge of passing out if not already passing out his dad or you know straight up dying with if if doomsday lands this punch his dad shows up, blocks it, and then he just is immediately back on his feet, takes the initiative away back from Superman to say that. 
and then he turns around and says, "Hey, my dad's." It, it, I don't. There's some. I don't know if it's structure or word choice or what, but that whole thing just. I was. I was like, wait, 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 did I? Did I? Did my eyes do that thing where they just gloss over a panel or two and just didn't actually take it in? Did I? Did I skip something? No, uh, the or the order is weird. Like it would have made more sense to see like a reaction shot from John first, and like maybe he gets like a, an adrenaline shot from the knowledge that his dad's back. Yeah, yeah. But that's so weird though, because like one of my favorite uh, moments in the whole series thus far, it's a cheesy moment. I 100% agree with that. Is also a great writing moment. It's 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 the the whole page of Green Arrow saying he trusts Barry and Hal. Yeah, that, that whole really speech that he gives. Yes, it's very obvious and and cheesy and very eventy. But like, I actually like the way that whole little speech from Ollie was structured. So I don't know. It just it, I'm seeing issues in quality here. And plus, like with everything we've seen, and then the fact that the whole dark crisis, or or, or sorry, it it being pariah's insanity or whatever, being underwhelming. The tagline at the very end of this is Deathstroke versus everybody. I am thoroughly underwhelmed by that tag. <laughs> I mean, that gives me f- flashbacks to that time in Identity Crisis where Deathstroke beat the entire Justice League by himself for no reason. Like, I, I can't think of a single canonical reason other than somehow Deathstroke getting the powers of every villain ever uh, <laughs> uh, for, for Deathstroke to beat the League. But it's no. kind of like, I don't, I, I don't know, maybe it's like, kind of like when Squirrel Girl is the only one who could beat Thanos. They... No, that, that makes sense. But, like, the thing, <laughs> the thing, like, Deathstroke, Deathstroke has like it's like the Batman problem like times 10 because he actually like there's a whole thing where like oh man with enough prep prep time and training Batman could beat anybody on the Justice League except that's usually just like a mental exercise that people like to talk about but they it's true about Deathstroke too except Deathstroke is a villain so he actually has to do it and that makes it way more annoying because it's it's it shows you straight up how ridiculous the concept is but they but god i just hate that stroke his costume's ugly too i i think i think <laughs> i i think we're past the era of deathstroke to be honest with you yeah yeah especially since he has a kid who's way better than him like the instant that they introduced his daughter ravager who is literally he, she has all the best stuff about her dad with none of the problematic bullshit and even like a slightly less annoying version of the same costume. I'm like, okay, they have now invalidated the existence of Deathstroke. We can get rid of him forever now. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm over with Deathstroke. I, he's also a problematic character. Not everybody agrees with that, but whatever. The last time I cared about Deathstroke was actually arrow season two but whatever the other thing i have a problem i have writing wise on this is kind of like i I get it's a big event and there are a lot of these type of moments in a big event but this one seems so on the nose and ridiculous that i was like why there's always moments of convenience in every big event and sometimes they are even given the courtesy of at least halfway explaining how they came to that conclusion uh, whatever the discovery is that they make in there. Uh, but this one is just so passed over that it, it 
it kind of shook me out of out of it for a second was the panel where Terrific and Jace are working together and Terrific says we're out of time and Jace says wait we need to think outside our box work as if this was created in the antimatter universe and not ours and then they fixed it what the fuck does that sentence mean I mean, I like I get it. Like we have to sort of invert the physics or stuff. You can't just invert physics and uh, immediately understand what the opposite of something is in physics. Like they. To be to be fair, I'm pretty sure Mr. Terrific could invert physics. Yeah, <laughs> if anybody could. But like, it was just such a. It was it was said with such conviction as if. Oh, duh. Of course, that's what we should do. And that'll solve our whole problem. And by the way, it takes us two panels to completely change our thinking on this and understand and fix the problem. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's like it's a writing, a convenience thing that comes out of like they wanted they want it to matter that the people who initially rejected John's offer decided to come and help so like they wanted jace to be the one responsible for figuring it out because if if they didn't reach out to him and he didn't accept and didn't show up then maybe they would have lost today that kind of thing the which you know on paper that makes sense but in practice you got you got to forget about the fact that he's been Batman for like six months or something in in universe, and also he's not smarter than Mister Terrific. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. The other the other problem I had in this, and I'm trying to find it because uh, where the hell did it go? The the Black Adam thing. I I like the Black Adam moment where were terrific just basically goes shut the fuck up <laughs> just stop talking yeah. uh, uh but also we we see black adam carrying the machine out with terrific but we don't hear from him again so to go from i don't know he he does say he's going to go out fighting right uh and he and he starts throwing punches but other than that we don't really see him so to go from what he was saying to terrific earlier to trying to be the one to save John also seems very jarring. Like what was it? Was it literally just the one sentence that terrific said in that one moment that made him change his entire viewpoint on the situation? Well, again, like there should have been a reaction shot. Like, like when John stormed off to try and hold the line against every final boss in DC history by himself, Black Adam should have like looked at him wide eyed like shit. Maybe I misjudged this kid kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's just there's lots of moments that in this issue that that are poorly paced and poorly laid out in terms of like panel arrangement and or 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 you economical use of space or even missing panels like you said reaction shots and stuff like that that i don't know i the the thing the thing about a a big event in comics is i mean let's just be 100 percent honest it's to sell books you don't do big events 
without trying your your goal being to sell books that's why you do crossovers that's why you that's why you do reading order checklists in the back of everything that's associated to it because you want to sell the other books so but in order to sell a book like nobody's going to continue reading it if after issue one or two or however many issues it takes for somebody i've personally jumped to three uh if i'm sort of iffy on a book before I make a decision whether I'm going to be pulling it or not, you, the the writing, the pacing, everything, it also it has to make sense. It has to also be compelling and good. And I don't see anything thus far in Dark Crisis, aside from like I said, that Green Arrow panel in this very issue or that page in this very issue, that really stands out to me as anything. In, and I, I've said this uh, or alluded to this on prior episodes about dark crisis. It just really shocks me how there does not fe- as I'm reading it, there does not seem to be anything about dark, dark crisis that I feel I'm going to significantly remember or hearken back to as a moment in DC history that we need to remember down the line. Nothing about this event feels like it's going to matter and or even be memorable in a couple of years i would highly recommend that anybody who feels that way about dark crisis go read death metal because it is it is another dc event that is the exact polar opposite of this event in basically every single way Death, uh, Dark Dark Knight's metal or death metal? Death metal. I yeah. read metal. Metal was okay. You don't really need it. You can just read death metal. Yeah. Mark, are you getting those feelings about this? And even in this very issue with this, those specific moments we've mentioned? Yeah. I mean, how they've handled I mean, Black Adam in this whole series is weird to begin with. Let's be honest. It's like, as they, they it's like on one level they want him to be like the, you know, the 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 harbinger of doom he's the one who comes back to tell everybody what happened but then on one level it's like oh we dealt with the threat then it's like oh we didn't deal with the threat then it's like they gave him an uneven tone to how he's handling everything and i mean i i can deal with him finally being driven to action seeing seeing john stand up stupidly as it is against all these brainwashed versions of all the heavy hitters of the DCU that would kill Superman at the same time, let alone a half Kryptonian. So I could see that moment being the call to action that would get black Adam. Like, okay, I was wrong about this kid. You know, he may not have the power set, but he's got the Kajonis. I think we talked about this when it came to either just the way this event began, how it felt and the problem with a lot of DC events that, but I'm pretty sure I kind of had the vibe off this thing with kind of hard to imagine this thing was going to, really feel like it mattered that yeah there's always some kind of ramification some kind of ripple in the water that's left in the wake of these events but for the most part very rarely do they have long 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 term ramifications because even if they do the next event that comes along screws it all up and wipes it out so it's it's straightforward so the thing you give the thing that i say about this for the most other than the stuff about the, the great darkness stuff hasn't been straightforward. I mean, and we've talked about this in this episode that, oh, Pariah corrupted the great darkness. Oh, well, Pariah really didn't actually seemingly corrupt the great darkness. He just siphoned power off of the great darkness and that got and that force got corrupted. And then somehow that's whatever. Either way, 
it, so the great darkness aspect of this, that's completely convoluted when we thought, no matter how we sliced it, we thought the great darkness was really, if it wasn't the big bad, it was a co-big bad with like Pariah almost being like the herald of the big bad, of, of the great darkness. And so that part hasn't been straightforward, but it's been a relative easy read, not saying that it all makes sense or it's, it's enjoyable, but it, it does get a plus versus some other events that are really convoluted and are not straightforward so that but does it really change anything does it really mean anything probably not now i guess a little bit we understand a little bit though it's interesting to see how they pull it off why nightwing supposedly features so heavily in issue seven because of the deathstroke opposition but again it's hard to really see that as it's like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too it's like they kind of know the stuff on earth doesn't really seem all that daunting so they have to keep still keep the threat that hey you know that the wheels in motion that Pariah started with the, with the whole multiverse expanding and then kind of not being able to uh, sustain it. All that stuff is still going on. So they got to deal with this. I don't know. It just seems it seems like because of everything they're trying to do and the way they've approached it and what's left to wrap up in one issue, that it's going to be that issue seven is almost destined to be as anticlimactic and unsatisfying as issue six was. Yeah. I mean, the I, thing that really gets me about the the way they've changed the framing of what Pariah has been doing is that this issue treats it as though we found this out earlier, which I guess that I guess this is the conclusion we were supposed to have taken from the deadly green one shot that, that all man, we went to, investigate the great darkness and found pariah's machine lodged in it ergo pariah is is it's just a hundred percent him and the great darkness isn't an uh, isn't a, alive or awake or whatever at all and no they didn't they did not write that into that comic book so we i don't know that until until superman said it in this comic book like i don't i don't know if you Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to rant. You go. <laughs> no, I just I think that's the thing, though. Right. It's like earlier earlier in our reviews of Dark Crisis, I was saying, like, I don't think I don't think Pariah is corrupting the great darkness or whatever. Like, I I, I kept thinking, like, it's it's not Pariah. It's not Pariah. Like, whatever my explanation was or whatever. Uh, I, I just it I remember it distinctly just basically being like, it's not Pariah. And it's not just because of th- it's like. I didn't believe that they would actually try to make Pariah our big bad because that didn't seem big enough. And this almost kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about again earlier in Dark Crisis coverage. The whole, you know, crisis event fatigue is that you keep going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger with, you know, the world's at stake. The universe is at stake. The multiverse is at stake. The omniverse is at stake, like all of this stuff. So if you keep going bigger and bigger and bigger, Pariah doesn't really make an interesting big bad. Uh, so it's like, you know, it just by by default, there's no way they're going with Pariah because it's not interesting. Why would you? Uh, and it turns out it isn't interesting, but they went with it anyways, which is which drives me up a wall, because not only that, if you look up any like official um, kind of like preparatory articles or whatever that dark Crisis or that dc has put out regarding dark crisis in terms of like essential reading lists and stuff like that they point back to 
Legion of Superheroes, The Great Darkness Saga, and those issues from Alan Moore uh, about The Great Darkness, as if, like, well, you're finally going to get the answers about the Dark Crisis and what it really is, and that old stuff about the Dark Crisis really matter or, or about the Great Darkness really matters, because we're finally going to put these pieces together for you. It sort of built this mystery, and, and that's, again, this is something that was mentioned. It, it's not said in the comics or in the advertising, but in any of the media surrounding this, they were talking about the Great Darkness Saga, and even more so the issues of Swamp Thing for more. So it's disappointing on uh, its its originality. It's disappointing, and the villain is not really threatening and uh it turns out we were proven right about that just based on reading this and it's disappointing in the in the fact that none of none of what even dc themselves said should matter about this is going to matter at least yet and we're six issues into this and again like i said before i'm not going to remember anything about this a few years from now or even care because nothing has happened in these six issues we've gotten so far that is memorable which means if there's anything memorable it's in the final issue and is that really worth all of the crossovers and the six issues that came before it no (laughs) i mean we'll have to see how issue seven goes but like it's it makes me happy that this this event was as streamlined as it as it has been because if i had gone in all in on like all these tie-ins and miniseries and and whatever and which i did just uh, FYI, I, I am fully willing to admit my financial mistake but i have bought every issue yeah of every crossover man yeah no that's they 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 messed up you did not mess up they messed up yeah, it had been a while since I bought like everything. I think the last time I did, I bought everything in an event was was King and Black. So it'd been a while since I'd done that for DC. So I was like, you know what? We've already been covering Infinite Frontier, uh, Justice League Incarnate, you know, that sort of stuff. It's just like, you know, I've already got all of these issues in my collection. Let's round out this you know it, it, collector mentality man kicked in yeah. it was like let's let's round out this this rebirth infinite frontier experiment here and make sure i have all the issues <laughs> you know what i think is the real problem with the way they handle pariah they it, it they seemed to be be setting up for that thing where where it's like a little uh it's like a little sleight of hand where we're going to tell you that Pariah is the main bad guy, but then somewhere after the halfway mark, we're going to the other shoe's going to drop and we're going to find out that ah, Pariah wasn't actually the main bad guy. This is. And it's going to be like a nice clever little turn and it'll it'll be like a much better and more appropriate final villain. And it looked like they were doing that. It looked like ah, Pariah thinks he's in charge of the great darkness, but really the great darkness is probably pulling the strings. And then it's like they, they, they go to reveal the man behind the curtain, but there's nobody there. And then also Pariah is gone and we're left with death stroke, I guess, which again, conceptually the idea of the, uh, the put upon second in command turning out to be the bigger threat and getting his chance once someone has taken out his superior like okay that that does make some kind of narrative sense but it doesn't feel earned in this and again it's a character i don't like at all 
So the whole thing, it feels like this kind of it it feels like there's no payoff to it. And it feels extra bad since the whole like the entire like the first five four or five issues of this storyline was spent waiting for the characters to catch up with what we already knew about Pariah, only for them to finally learn something we didn't know, except I think we were supposed to know it when they found it out, but we didn't until they said it again this time. (laughs) So like, what? it's just, it's so unsatisfying. (laughs) I'm also a little, little bit miffed at the idea that we have to shit all over the ghost of the original crisis. Every time these crisis events pop up and it's not just like, okay, we're going to try the, we're going to try the thing again. We, it was really successful that one time. So maybe if we do it a billion times, we can just repeat if, if we can mimic a fraction of that success, it'll be worth it. I don't know. But also in the sense that lady Quark became a villain Alexander became a villain. The uh, freaking Harbinger became a villain in some as- aspects. Uh, and 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 now Pariah has been- the thing about Pariah was like he was he was Krona's story, but with some with some actual regret and 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 human loss and everything with him. And now we've turned him into an insane bad guy. I don't know that it, that's that's not as big or as important of a point in the other stuff that we've discussed on this episode. But like I also something kind of sits uneasy just by making this tra- I mean, like, yes, we know that Harbinger, uh, her, her name made sense in some way, but also it could have made sense for Pariah to be called Harbinger <laughs> just, yeah. because he was just this this tragic warning of hubris and now i mean he the the sacrifices that he made in crisis meant something and half redeemed him half didn't he 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 didn't feel like he was absolved of his of his guilt or anything but maybe he helped in some way and could do some sort of penance but doing this to him kind of shits all over that and I don't know. I, I mean, mean I, it's, the, it's the ultimate irony about going so far to to trade in the 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 iconic nature and memory of the first crisis and the legacy of what that mean, meant for DC and for comics in general. And like the the biggest misstep is to treat it like an infinitely repeatable brand that you can just keep putting out a new installment of when the thing that made crisis matter was the fact that it was this insanely ambitious idea that could have failed spectacularly, but instead it was like, it was this revolutionary creative thing and it still held up as one of the best comic book stories to date because of everything that went into it and at the time nobody knew what it was going to explode into it was just hey let's get insanely talented people let them make this ridiculous thing that should never work but it worked and every time they tried to make a new one they're trying to repeat the wrong parts they're trying to play the hits 
instead of trying to do something ridiculously ambitious that hasn't really been feasible before, which is what the first crisis did. To me, it seems like, again, it seems like this is like, it's like they say, they said, you know, let's take zero hour and let's push zero hour into infinite crisis and kind of like split the difference and try to come up with something. Hey, it might be interesting, except to me, this is far less interesting than either one. I still think infinite crisis was probably the best follow up that they've done. The best crisis event overall that they've done. Oh, yeah. And since you know, that was since, great. Yes. And, and it made sense. It's still uh, that was to me a much more legitimate sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths just because you had the survivors and you and so uh, and you understood what their motivations were and you understood why after being separated from their world being destroyed and being separated from everybody else that out over time, you know, isolation is not good for you that you can understand all these different factors. Plus it was well-written. The threats were cool. The actions, it, it just was, that was one of the best things John's did period. And, but either way that, that worked even zero hour, zero hour worked to a large extent. The, the repercussions of it didn't really matter at the end of the day, but the idea, the, the motivation for even having Hal do that, that was really clever that Dan Jorgens zeroed in on Hal because it made perfect sense. Of what of what Hal had kind of crossed over into, it made sense that big on a big picture scale that he was going to try to recreate everything and make it more better. And I think because it was a character we were invested in, as turned out to be the surprise bad guy, that worked. Pariah, I mean, we haven't seen much of Pariah. You know, there's not a lot of it's. I don't know. So like I, I think this is like an amalgam of those two events, and it it fails compared to both of them. Certainly, absolutely compared to Infinite Crisis. And you want to talk about big picture and infinite crisis. The year leading into the beginning of infinite crisis is some of the most, most well tied together cohesion I've ever seen from the DC universe. Like they weren't going out of their way to write tie-ins or like have branding all over the place, but it's the kind of thing where like the more books that you were reading the more you would start to notice things moving into place, the more you would start to realize like, oh, things are kind of trending in this direction. Like, like you would notice like, oh, wow, you know, if I'm reading Firestorm and I'm reading, I don't, I don't even know what, like the Flash or whatever, like a lot of characters are all kind of starting to gather over here. And a lot of characters are all kind of like heading out into space at the same time. That's weird. Oh, a lot of a lot of villains are starting to kind of there's like whispers throughout the community about something. It's like and it's nothing like nothing like del- you're being deliberately aimed to as a reader, but it's a thing where like you notice it a little here and there and the more you read, the more you notice until you get a few months out from the start of crisis and you see like you feel like the DC universe as a whole has been moving into this direction and putting key players into place. And then the event starts and it hits you with this like amazing surprise reveal of, Hey, here's the survivors of the first crisis and here's what they're going to do. And it's like, it's, it's so different from how segmented things are now. And Like, that's one of the lessons I think Infinite Crisis took from Crisis on Infinite Earths. 
in that it felt like it was a significant story to the entire DC universe instead of just being a story that happens over here while we still tell our Batman stories uninterrupted, even if he's supposed to be dead. To, to, to Mark's point also, like you made me realize Mark, it's like not only is this event, um, you know, uh, not unique at all. Uh, even Pariah having a survivor of the crisis, the original crisis is also not unique. Neither is Pariah's, neither is Pariah's entire motivation. His motivation is a direct ripoff of, of infinite crisis. It, uh, the, you know, this universe is wasted. The original multiverse was better. Let's bring it back. So, Pariah wasn't an it's not just that Pariah wasn't an interest an interesting villain in, in in and of himself, so though that I thought the great darkness was going to play a bigger role, which was proven. He's not an interesting villain. His even his motivation isn't interesting or unique in any sort of way. So it just falls flat on every level. And to to what Dan was saying, it also makes me think that like I don't know, man. I, I don't, I fully admit, I don't know how to run a company, let, let alone a comic publishing unit as with the history of DC comics. But like, I figure continuity is one of those things you're going to have to go either a hundred percent or zero percent and no, no middle ground whatsoever. You can't kind of embrace the idea of continuity anymore. Like you have to either full hog do it or you just don't. And you just publish unique stories and and whatever you want to do. But I think like if you're going to go whole hog and you're like, because I I can't picture a universe like DC or Marvel uh, not wanting to have connected titles and and still have their summer events and stuff like that. But like if you're going to do it, you got to you got to go really into it on the books that are connected and then if you want to tell other stories, you got to label them as such. Cause you know, I'm looking at my shelf here and I've got things like, you know, Green Lantern Earth One and Superman Earth One and Batman Earth One. Those, those hardcovers that came out, you, you got to be like label the anything that's not connected has to be labeled like <laughs> Elseworlds, uh, Earth One, uh, Batman something or, or whatever unique story you want to. Uh, that's a, a bad example. It's a long ass title. Speaking of long ass titles like Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, I just, I don't know. The, there doesn't seem to be a lot of thought going into the idea that these things are connecting. They, they clearly want things to be interconnected but they're not putting any effort into doing it until it's time for the event. And then by the time the event's over, everybody back to their corners. Agreed. Yeah. And it kind of had a, I know it's weird doing a post-mortem entirely since it's not over yet, but, (laughs) but, but the body's cold. So, so we can start that this kind of always had a feel like it was going to be a fail. And sometimes you get pleasantly surprised and it's just unfortunate that, Barring some miracle Hail, Hail Mary in the final issue that it, this is going to be a certainly through six issues out of seven, it's been a fail. So it's not surprising, but still disappointing. We, we've got like one issue left and like a couple one shots or something before that. But like my biggest hope is that like there's some cool like that uh, uh, was it Dark Crisis Warzone or whatever can like flesh out some of the fight and give us some good character moments. and. 
you know, the every issue of this so far has had at least like two or three really great moments for somebody in it. Like I'm looking at that page of the core and the league coming back now. And I'm like, this looks so good. This whole event might've been worth it just for this image. But yeah, at this point, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm looking forward to the end of dark crisis just to, you know, A, to see if they can somehow pull this all together in the end. But B, I really want to see, all right, what's the status quo after this? Who is the on the Justice League? Are we, fi- like, is this event, like, once this event is over, are we finally going to see what the hell's going to happen with Green Lantern next? Or are we, or we would, is it Dark Crisis number seven that we have to wait for? Or is it the Jon Stewart one shot that we have to wait for? I don't know. I just feel like they're going to all of a sudden solicit something as soon as uh, as soon as somebody pulls that lever. But um, yeah, I guess like the one thing I really want to see happen in uh, issue seven of Dark Crisis is for somebody to fucking remember Justice Incarnate. (laughs) They vanished (laughs) with the regular Justice League and never showed up. They didn't have happiness prisons. Are they just dead? What the hell? What happened? Pariah needs people. He would have put them in a a world. Captain Carrot, we miss you. Half-mast, fly the flag. I guess we'll see. Indeed we will, for better or for worse. All right, is that going to do it? Yes. Yes. All righty. Well, Dan, where can people find you and what do you got upcoming? Uh, Mosaic Comics on YouTube. YouTube.com slash C slash Mosaic Comics is my Green Lantern channel where I, I just I I deal mostly in analytical video essays all about Green Lantern and occasionally non Green Lantern comics. that I also love more than I love most things. And by the time this this podcast is out i will have just put out a video where i take a little trip over to sanctuary and talk about the infamous heroes in crisis panel where hal jordan doesn't know what willpower is ah yeah that's right yes it is it is it is surprising how much ire can be generated by a single sentence in one panel when that is the only appearance of this character in that entire miniseries. But uh, it's it's interesting to give perspective to that moment. So if you're interested in that, go on over to Mosaic Comics on YouTube. I've also got some videos on there about my favorite Lantern things ever, like uh, like Red Lanterns when Guy Gardner was on there talking about the history of Earth-11 and trying to sort out the complicated mess that is is you know who is the the actual counterpart for these characters is carol fair or not even carol ferris is carol jordan star sapphire in the green lantern role or is it the the whole you know it's actually it's a big mess you should watch my video because it is i i don't think dc knows either I'm just rambling at this point. I'm tired, and we've been talking about Dark Crisis a lot. So, uh, go, <laughs> please go on over to YouTube, search for Mosaic Comics, and just have fun. It's I talk about things that are way more fun than this. 
And whatever you do, don't ask him for another Gold Lantern update video because we just wrapped not too long ago the Legion of Superheroes versus Justice League six-issue series, and we were promised to learn a lot, and we haven't learned enough for Dan to even have enough content to create a new video on it. I would absolutely love to be able to do another <laughs> one, but I don't th- – there's there's like – there's be nothing. be a video. <laughs> there, yeah, they – and you know what? That's another mini series where the Justice League fought a great darkness and it was just a, a black hole. It had nothing to do with anything. That was the almost great darkness. <laughs> that was it, the, it aspired to be the great dark. That was the okay darkness. Yeah, it's a barely acceptable darkness. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and on that note, appropriately can, enough. Yeah, people want to find us. Where do they find us? Lanterncast at gmail.com. Website is lanterncast.com. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag Geocast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or a text, 708-Lantern, and let us know what you think. And if you want our Discord, either 708-Lantern us or, of course, lanterncast at gmail.com. All right, guys, this was episode 499, which means next episode uh, or thereabouts will be episode 500. So give us a little bit of time to, uh, you know, prep the guest list and make make the plans and record all the segments. So uh, you may hear small snippets of things. You may hear nothing between now and then. But uh, just if you don't hear anything from us uh, for a week or two, uh, enjoy your Thanksgivings. Uh, and your your holidays that you celebrate with your family around this time of year, and uh, know that we have uh, a big episode coming for you. Yeah, and send in your emails telling Chad how much you'll miss him. I was just gonna say, don't, don't say your goodbyes yet, Chad. You, you have at least half another episode. <laughs> Jeez, talk about Mr. Anticlimax. <laughs> good night, um, everybody. Good night. Good night.